I love a good rye. A good rye will set you right, but ryes are different. Midwest ryes are going to be very, very different than Northeast ryes. That's about the water, my people. Do you like a bit of sweetness or do you like a bit of spice? Rye confuses people because people think that's what your grandfather drank. This is what you should be drinking. And this is Whistle Pig. Eat, drink, smoke, everybody. Great to be with you where we eat the fine food, drink the fine bourbon, smoke the fine cigars. I'm Tony Katz. That is everybody's favorite amateur drinker. Fingers Malloy. What fingers? My grandfather drank Blatt's. What is Blatt's? It is, uh, it's beer. Very, 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 very cheap beer. Huh. So well, there you go. You came from a classy family That's right true. here. That's true. This is the wh- Whistle Pig, the Boss Hog. Now, there are different versions of Whistle Pig here. As a rye, we're not talking about 51% corn. That's a bourbon. Bourbon is 51% corn done in first use charred oak, uh, Amer- charred American oak uh, barrels, right? And can only be diluted with water to bring down the proof. A rye? Figure the same concepts except 51% rye. Of course, it is a grain, and we do it neat here and then decide to bring it to a cube. Uh, the boss hog is, well, where they, where they start reaching uh, their higher end. And it's 120.5 proof. Fingers Malloy. That's a hand. That's a hand uh, right uh, there. It's a it's a beautiful bottle, and it's a great, great bit of, of backstory uh, about how this came about. Uh, the then uh, distiller, uh, David uh, Pickerel, uh, there. And it comes out of Vermont, actually imported from Canada. This is a Canadian rye. Imported uh, into uh, Vermont and then released from there. Pickerel uh, passed away in 2018. The name goes on oddly enough, maybe not oddly enough, and there's a story there. The Samurai Scientists. You'll see that on uh, the the Boss Hog bottles right there. You'll always see the Samurai Scientists. There are different fermentations that come from this because there are different styles of, of whistle pig. There's different ways to find it. So for example, the number six is a koji fermentation. Uh, that's a Japanese term for cultured grain. That's basically what we're talking about. Same process for making miso soup, that kind of thing. So there's something very unique about this. Now, full disclosure, never had Fingers Malloy. I have never had Whistle Pig before in my life. I have not either. And uh, can I just throw it out there? Can my new nickname be Samurai Scientist? It That'd cannot. Be fun. Oh, no. Drat. Now. But we've this- done, we, we haven't done anything from Canada other than... We want. I think we done some Seagrams, right? An old bottle of Seagrams yeah, my, that your dad had. Yeah, my dad gave me like a forty-five-year-old bottle of Seagrams. We blew the dust off of it, ripped off the tax <laughs> label, and said, "Oh, this is the flavor. This is the flavor." So this, first of all, has a bit of a darker amber than than other uh, drinks, uh, the bourbons that we've had. It's actually quite lovely. We're doing it in the Glencairn glass, right? That's the small, it's the shape of the glass, kind of bows out and then comes back in. So you really get to like tilt it on its side and kind of see the light and see what is uh, through there. Oh, that nose. See, rye is deceptive because I find rye to be sweeter in many ways than bourbon. I, I Maybe it's a screwed up palate. I'm actually going to clear, clear the palate right now. Uh, but that is a wonderful bit of, of, of fruit. That's a wonderful bit of bread going on. That's a terrific, delicious nose. See, I w- I'm getting the, uh, a sweetness from it, but I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't have said fruit. I, it, it's... I, you know what? Maybe it's a crutch for me, right? 
Now, remember, we love the stuff, but we're not experts by any stretch of the imagination. We have a good idea of what's going on, but experts are experts. So I'm developing my palate as I go. And I find that I get a little bit of fruit in near everything. What I can't do yet is decipher fruit. Right. Like, I'm pretty good. Like, when I when something's dark fruits, I can kind of say that. But that for me is plums. That for me is cherries. Things like that. This is more fruit as opposed to, let's say, a floral bouquet. And you definitely get the alcohol on the nose, Tony. I, I mean, you can smell it. It's 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 not overpowering. There was a, a, a bourbon, I believe, we did a few weeks ago where you inhaled a little bit too much and you started coughing because right. of the because of that uh, what ethanol on the nose or however you want to describe it you can definitely smell it but it's not overpowering and it's not something wh- when I'm uh, taking a, 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 a taking it in it doesn't say, say it doesn't scream 120 right. proof I would very often say if you go back to past episodes if you're listening to the podcast at Apple Podcast Amazon Music Stitcher Google Play you can find Eat Drink Smoke everywhere I would say medicinal and someone explained to me you're thinking of your past you're not thinking of the of the smell. And it's very, very true. When you get like an alcohol kind of, of, of flavoring or, or scent, I should say, you think of medicines you took as a kid. So you would say medicinal. But the truth is, think of it again as, let's say, something like spearmint, as we were look, talking about this one particular bourbon. It was a very, very good lesson in understanding that the sense of smell is everything, right? Taste buds, you got five tastes. Smell, you've got un- literally a panoply of things that you could smell and smell triggers memory and all those kinds of things. So try and think of it a little bit differently. But we're going to do this. We're going to do this neat right here. That's how we do it. So we take the sip. Uh, now, 120 proof, Fingers Malloy. 120.5, he takes the sip right there. He is doing the Kentucky Chew. You all right? Ooh, I got to tell you, when you first start the Memphis Munch on this. It's Kentucky Chew. Uh, you will get... A definite sting on the tongue, and this is especially if you're doing the Kentucky Chew properly. Um, it's all over the tongue by the time you, you swallow. I mean, it's it it's it's a nice sting, but not a burn. Oh, as Tony coughs on the red. <laughs> oh, I brought it down, tried to breathe out. It wanted me to know it was still there. Oh, that is a lot of flavor on the tongue. Oh, I didn't got get burned. I got slight tingle, tip of the tongue, slight tingle. Side of the tongue, absolutely nothing down the throat. This is resting in the low chest and already building heat right there. There is, uh, oddly enough, it's a little sweeter than I thought it would be, but there is that, 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 that classic spice that goes along with rye. There is, um, it's almost minty. It's weird, like afterward, like, like look now, you're, you're, we're, we're resting, right? And when you breathe out, there's almost a minty going out. That is that is peculiar. That is a first for me. I've never had there that. There is a very lingering effect for several seconds after you 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 take your first sip. And I've already taken two, and I still feel like I, I I'm breathing it out. Right? It, almost like you know, we could talk about retrohale. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like with a cigar. Yeah. It, there, there is a lot. There's, it's still going on. I'm, I didn't take the second sip. Usually, I take two sips, kind of set the tongue right with, with the, you know, the little bit of sting that you sometimes get, and then you know, take another sip to really see. I already threw a cube on here. Not a, not a big rock, just a chip. I want to open this up. I want to chill this thing down. I want to see where it is. This is Whistlepig, the Boss Hog. This is very, very unique. 
it is a little sweeter than I thought it would be being out of, uh, in, you know, Canada, being out of, of the Northeast. Um, there is flavor here. There is complexity here. This is much bigger. I mean, it doesn't play big in terms of alcohol content, 120 proof. But there is, this is big in terms of complexity. There's a lot, a lot happening. And I, I want to burp. Like, <laughs> that's, not, that's not right. Wait, that must be what I had for lunch. The Whistle Pig Boss Hog. This is unique. And I think this is going to be one that we're really going to have to play with throughout the show and kind of figure out where this leaves us uh, for sure. And then, of course, what does it cost? Well, we will get into that. The Whistle Pig, uh, the Boss Hog, or just Whistle Pig Boss Hog. This is Eat, Drink, Smoke. So I learned something today while I was on a golf course. Eat, drink, smoke. Great to be with you. Tony Katz, everyone's favorite amateur drinker, Fingers Malloy. I wasn't golfing. I was going to say, did you, did you get rid of your slice? I, it, your it, was, draw? It, was, it was a fundraiser, and so they were like, come on out. I'm like, I'm not going to golf. And they're like, you can just hang out. I'm like, sounds like fun. So I went and hung out and talked to some people. Great great time and, and, and happy, happy to do it. But I was in the cart, and someone was driving me around, and I'm smoking a... Uh, a, a cigar I was doing La Gloria Cubana Esteli uh, and uh, come across one of the drink carts now not being a golfer I was unaware of the amount of drinking that takes place at these golf scrambles <laughs> I have done maybe two golfing events in my life and I didn't actually golf scrambles are all about drinking Tony is that right oh absolutely I've been in scrambles before where you got a case of beer per cart so that's that's 12 beers per person right that, because are you, are you familiar with how a scramble works kind of you see you, you it's te- basically people golf well yeah but you tee off and then whoever has the best drive the other three people pick it up and then you right. hit from there and you, so you you know it's best ball uh, in a lot of cases and it the the beer is free flowing and a lot of times with scrambles it's a it's a it's a charity event, so they'll have auctions and stuff. So they'll raise a lot of money, but ho 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 man, there's a lot of drinking. And so there were food stations and there were drink stations. And at this drink station, they were doing something that they either called firewood or wood ball. Oh no! Do you know what this is? No, but if you said fire or I, I th- th- this is a shot ball. of Woodford Reserve. And fireball. Put your headphones back on. We have more radio show to do. I couldn't believe my eyes. They wanted. I'm like, this is, this is a horrible, horrible idea. Who does this to Woodford Reserve? I was actually insulted. You should be. <laughs> Seriously, that's like we've got a wonderful spread for lunch. Here's some filet mignon and some bologna. That's what that is right there. It was crazy. Well. Fireball, by the way, selling a non-alcoholic eggnog flavored just like Fireball. Now, why not just use Fireball and make eggnog? Well, it's non-alcoholic. Oh, it's... uh, Okay, you win this round. (laughs) What, it was right there in the headline and I didn't have it together? I like my eggnog, eggnog flavor. Now, I love eggnog. Eggnog is a perfect food. I could actually eat eggnog for breakfast and be satisfied. <laughs> the only thing that'll make me happier is more eggnog. It's sensational. I, I, again, it's the kitsch, but I can somewhat see it because at least it's cinnamon. I'm still more upset about the 
the the firewood. Oh, listen, Fireball would make an excellent sponsor of the Eat Drink Smoke radio <laughs> program. <laughs> I, I, listen, you know this sets me off. This yes. this this the the, the 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 fact that Fireball markets itself as a whiskey. There should only there's only one flavor of whiskey. It's whiskey flavored whiskey, not not cinnamon flavored whiskey. And the idea that someone would say, let's couple Woodford Reserve with Fireball. It just it, you know, and you know what. They probably sold a lot of it too. That's oh, what really drives me crazy. So much, so much. Actually, I think this was. I don't think people were paying. Wait, were they paying? Were they oh, paying for the drinks? Oh, oh I, listen. A lot of times you'll have on. Uh, there'll be shot girls, right? On each, you know, every other tea or whatever, and they'll sell a shot for a couple of dollars. So I'm, I'm assuming that they would be charging extra for that. I but guess. maybe that's maybe that's included in the in the uh, the the scramble price. But my. God, Woodford Reserve and Fireball. It was it was very disappointing, and I canceled my donation immediately. <laughs> so we'll never see you on a golf course again because of it. And also, I, I, you were talking about this earlier before we got on. Um, Peeps, not doing Halloween candy this year, not doing Christmas candy this year. I had thought we had talked about it. Peep is the is the Easter candy. Yeah, they do other things around the year. You didn't know that. I had no idea, and you know we had this discussion last week on the show, and th- this is one of my favorite holidays, Halloween, and we had the discussion about whether you know uh, certain things should be considered candy, and you have the the, the chocolate rule, right? It has to yeah, have chocolate it has to be in it. Chocolate to be candy. So, Everything else so, is something else. Okay, so what would you consider a peep? Uh terrible, <laughs> right? But I'm also not a big marshmallow guy in general. And the idea of sugar-coated marshmallow, now you're just asking for it. You really are. Well, I could see, and work with me on this for a second. Uh, please. Uh, first of all, I had no idea. I've never seen a pumpkin peep. I've never seen a Christmas tree peep, uh, a Santa Claus peep, or what I just thought peeps were Easter. That's where you saw peeps, and you don't see them at any other time of the year. But apparently, like you said, the company that makes peeps said... We're not making them this year due to the COVID-19 uh, pandemic. But uh, it's a marshmallow-based candy. Would that go good in a s'mores? A peep? No. <laughs> what? What? No. No? No, it wouldn't. It's you, too you, much. It's you've overkill. never roasted a peep over a fire before, Tony? No, I've been busy. <laughs> Do you think that they're extremely flammable? Uh, now that you mention it, <laughs> I do now. Of course, I do now. Look, I, I, I've no. I'm, I am. I'm adventurous with food, but I am to many extents a purist. Some things don't make sense. Uh, I get why kids like peeps, right? It's sweet on sweet on sweet. I don't want that. My wife was out with my youngest, and they're at a supermarket, and what do they find? Snowballs. Okay. You know, ding-dongs, ho-hos, hostess cakes. Maybe it's a tasty cake for all I I know. Snowballs. And took a picture of it, said to me, I'm like, that's awesome. She took a bite. She's like, oh, this is brutal. Just too sweet, too brutal. You get, I'm not an old man. I'm not, kiss kiss my, I am not an old man. I'm not an old man. I'm not an old man. (laughs) But it's, some things I just, I have no interest in. It's just so beyond, it's why I don't think of those fruity kind of, D- candies as candies. My kids eat nerds. You mm-hmm. know, the little... What is the point? 
Yeah. What is the point? That, just mainline the sugar. You're good. It's yeah, just, that's it's just not... baked sugar. But no, I we could do a whole show on snack cake. Snowballs are fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> little Challenge Debbie, accepted. little Debbie would make an excellent sponsor of the Drink Smoke Radio program. Uh, but you know, this time of year, you get the. Uh, the, the Christmas tree cakes made by Little Debbie. They look, it's a white Christmas tree. Have you ever had those? I mean, they're fantastic. No. Uh, Suzy Q's, very similar to uh, the Snowball, except they don't have the, the coconut and the weird frosting on the outside like the Snowball does. Snowballs right. are fantastic. And the holiday snowballs, too. Uh, I believe there are green snowballs that they have for Christmas and uh, orange snowballs, too. Ah, uh, for Halloween. Just- now you're just messing me up. Tell me where you are with the whistle pig. I the boss hog. Here's the deal. You you brought up the price per bottle in the last segment, right? Right. $160. No, uh, you brought it up of off air. So you're saying it's $160 for a bottle. $160 to $199 per bottle. It's been seen. I, I gotta tell you, Tony, I would consider it at that price. I have to stop I'm, you. Really? Because the bottle that we have, the samurai scientist. I'm finding for four hundred and ninety nine dollars. Oh well, no. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, that's that's a car payment. I'm. I gotta tell you, it's there's it's it's so much bigger than I thought it would be. It's there's so many more flavors working here. We're gonna have to continue to break this down. This is an interesting experiment. The whistle pig, boss hog. This is you drink smoke. Eat, drink, smoke. It is your food, cigar, bourbon, radio extravaganza. Tony Katz, that's Fingers Malloy. It is Whistle Pig, the boss hog. I was saying the Whistle Pig boss hog. That's not it. It's Whistle Pig, the boss hog. This is a rye, which means it's 51% rye in uh, the mash bill. Uh, this is 120.5 proof right here. And this is... Unique. This is the Samurai Scientist that we got uh, going on. Um, I'm getting a sense you're not a, a huge fan of this, it's Tony. It's not. I don't know what I make of this rye yet. There is so much to it, right? We've talked about a couple of things that we got off of the nose, right? Uh, it, a, bit, a touch of the alcohol. Um, it was uh, some, some fruit, uh, almost, almost a, 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 a bread. Now it's different. You now put one ice chip in it. It's darker. It's richer. It's it's like it's like the there's a there's a, it's it's. I'm wondering if I'm confusing like like things with the fruit, uh, it, with almost like a baking spice, right? But that doesn't make sense to me. Why? How how do I get those things kind of crossed? It is much different now that I have the ice chip in it. It is playing differently on the tongue. As I said, it was almost this. This mint, this this weirdness on the on the exhale, and it lingered there for a while. I I don't know what I make of it. There's so much happening, it, and it still does. Even though I you know I put an ice chip in there as well. The spice came out a little bit more. Whatever that sweetness is, uh, is a little tamer than it was, and there's still that little sting on the tongue. I'm really enjoying this, Tony. I'm enjoying it a lot. I just don't know. I mean, if, if the price point, we're talking $500 a bottle. I mean, my goodness. This, this is something that you would, if you saw it at a bar, you may order it on a special occasion. Unless you've got really, really uh, the, the, the kind of uh, alcohol budget that most Americans don't have. 
um, then you, that you can make, make that kind of investment, then go for it. But that's a lot to ask for this bottle. You know, there's something else going on that, that's bothering me as I was doing some more research about Whistlepig, uh, the Boss Hog, because I don't like getting things wrong. I looked at the bottle. I'm looking around. Canadian rye. Now I find websites that tell me that it's made in Vermont and it's an American rye whiskey. So now I'm lost, right? I'm confused. And I don't like being confused because I'm sharing this with the world. So I'm very, very kind of all over the place. And the worst part is I can't get a good handle on what it is that I'm drinking. Yeah. And that's the worst part here. It's, I'm not saying it's bad. That's not, no part of that is coming from me. What I'm saying is this is very, very interesting and is still kind of playing out. I don't know where I am. At the very least, it's worth a try. Right, Tony? If you see it at a bar, I mean, this is, this is, this is a, a, a interesting rye. Something that I think you should try if you see it. Oh, you should always try everything. That goes without saying. What about the firewood? Or the, no. the wood ball or whatever? Oh, you know what? Don't try everything. Trust your gut. Trust your gut. It is time for News of the Week. Fingers Malloy, what do you got? Oh, Tony, are we saying goodbye Ruby Tuesday? Yeah. They announced, Ruby Tuesday, the restaurant chain announced that it has filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy. Oh, you were serious? Yeah. Oh, the whole chain? Yes, uh, citing the unprecedented impact of COVID-19 on the restaurant industry. They are reorganizing. They're not... not, saying that they're going to close all the restaurants. They're going to try to move forward with some locations, but at this point, it's not looking good for Ruby Tuesday. That's, that's rough. That's rough. And, you know, we keep discussing this, that we have more and more um, information coming out. We get more and more data all the time that what we're, what we're really seeing is the tip of the iceberg for where the disaster is. And we did call it. Right, I may not be able to call this rye just yet, <laughs> but we did call on the restaurants that those midline chains aren't going to survive, and we're starting to see them fall. I, I, I'm sorry to see it. I don't know how many jobs that is that are, that are going out. Well, we're looking at 185 restaurants, and not all of them are going to reopen, Tony, but we've talked about this previously on the show. We do it here in Indianapolis at Blend Bar Cigar, and... Marion County, Indianapolis, they were on lockdown for a long time, and a lot of restaurants were closed. On the north end of Indianapolis, there's this road called 96th Street, where the south end of 96th Street is Indianapolis. The north end is Fishers, Indiana. There's a Ruby Tuesdays that's on the south side of 96th Street, which is in Indianapolis. They would have to close, but if there's a Chili's across the street, they were able to open because they weren't part of Indianapolis. It goes back to what we were talking about where it has been just so difficult for the hospitality industry to maneuver through the COVID pandemic and all the restrictions that were placed on them. Yeah, and the restrictions still play arbitrary and already there are places talking about, hmm, we might need to uh, we might need to shut it down again. You're already seeing this in parts of New York. This is it, it's, it's frightening. It is absolutely positively frightening that we could be getting into getting into this, that we could go through another round of shutdowns. And I don't know if people are going to handle those shutdowns well. I don't know if businesses are willing to, to, to take that. I, I think that there's got to be 
the 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 freedom fighter in me <laughs> thinks that there needs to be a massive amount of pushback. Grown-ups will make decisions for themselves. And we can't do this to these businesses. We can't be like, oh well, that's just what you get. No, that's not what you get. That's not that can't be the way it works. And even with a virus, it's just flat out wrong. It's hysteria in, 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 in to an extent. And we can't allow that hysteria to, to control lives. That's my take, because we're allowing it to control people's futures. It's ugly. Yeah, and you are seeing some pushback. To go back to what we were talking about earlier as far as what Indianapolis is going through, you're seeing bars in Indianapolis suing the city. And you're, you're, you're seeing it in other states where you know there were bars in Texas that were pushing back against the governor of Texas and the, and the executive orders that were signed down there. I don't know if... Americans are going to go through another lockdown without a fight. I don't think they are. I, you know what? I'm going to dig into this next week. Maybe we'll actually start hitting into where some of these restaurant owners, because there are cities where there are lawsuits against the city, right? Restaurants are suing the city. Let's, let's kind of dig into that for next week. It's a tease, people. That's what it is. <laughs> next story. Well, again, sticking with the, the restaurant industry, 163 Pizza Hut restaurants are up for sale after the franchise filed for bankruptcy. Restaurants in 26 states are up for sale, and some of them, I mean, they're absolutely uh, a great location for other restaurants if people want to invest in the restaurant industry right now. You're saying the average Pizza Hut uh, size is 2,600 square feet, which to me, looking at, you know, we're going into the the I don't want to say the new normal. We both agree that that's a, a that's a, a oh, but businesses term. are going to adapt. I agree with that, right? So if you're a pizza place, I mean, there are pizza places that you know, don't have near the overhead. I mean, when you're trying to have a, a joint that's 2,600 square feet, the costs involved. If if people have moved to, I just want delivery or takeout versus having to maintain a restaurant like that. Uh, it's it's going to be interesting to see what right. moves in if people can move in. One of the, the famed uh, Chicago pizzerias, Lou Molinati's, is coming to near where I live, and it's only takeout and delivery. That's all they do. And that is, without a doubt, a fu- the future. Here's the question. Is a Pizza Hut franchise a good investment? I, I wouldn't think so. I Listen, and again, Pizza Hut, what, once they get through this, would make a great sponsor of the Drink Smoke Radio <laughs> program. But uh, I, I think as Americans change the way they look at dining out we, we talked about it before how Pizza Hut used to be a big thing to go to the Pizza Hut buffet. That's out the window. You got, you know, people aren't doing buffets anymore. Uh, people are, are looking for more carryout, that middle uh, class restaurant like these chains that we talked about with Ruby Tuesdays. They're suffering. I don't know if it's a good investment, Tony. I'm curious because the question is in these Pizza Huts, was it uh, the, the coronavirus and not being able to engage delivery that cost them? Was it they had this too much overhead with other things? Was it a bit of bad management and overextension? I'm curious because the future is certainly delivery and takeout, the Grubhub kind of things. I'm curious. Also, I think I have solved the mystery of Whistlepig. That's coming up. This is Eat, Drink, Smoke. It is clear to me that I did not mislead. That said, I feel like I'm being misled. It is Eat, Drink, Smoke. Tony Katz, that is America's favorite amateur drinker, Fingers Malloy. We are doing Whistlepig, the Boss Hog, 120.5 proof. And we've been playing with the flavors in this. What This is a rye whiskey, so 51% rye uh, in, in the mash bill. What is going on here? So I was doing some research because looking at the bottle, product of Canada. It's Canadian uh, whiskey. Okay. 
that's fine. But the company is based in Vermont and a huge history in in Vermont, right? And when you even take a look at the Whistlepig website, whistlepigwhiskey.com, with help from master distiller Dave Pickerel, who has since passed away, 2018, we discovered and purchased an incredible stock of 10-year-old blending whiskey in Canada that was being profoundly misused. I love, I love the way <laughs> they write it. It's terrific. So I'm like, all right, this is Canadian, but they're based in Vermont. And then I was looking for some pricing of what we're drinking, the Boss Hog, the, the Samurai Scientist. And it's, well, never mind, it's $499 a bottle, and you can ask yourself if you're willing to pay that, although maybe you can find it for something else. It says it's out of Vermont and it's an American whiskey. And I'm like, wait a second. The bottle actually said Canada. So I went and I looked at, 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 at the 15-year here uh, at Blend Bar Cigar where we record in Indianapolis, Indiana. That says product of Canada. They're based in Vermont. It is the whiskey is a product of Canada. And I, this is one of the things. I don't want a story to be that difficult unless it's me and I'm the one who is, is, is just not able to, to bring it together. <laughs> and I never want to mislead anybody. I want to make sure I'm given the facts. We do the research and everything else. I just, it, I'm getting four different pieces of information. So clearly, we have to road trip to Vermont. That's a good idea. But I have found, listening to your explanation, that this is the perfect election year ride. <laughs> it has flip-flopped on us <laughs> twice. We have no idea what's going on. I got to tell you. I am, after having it now over the, really the past hour, this is unbelievably big. I am sticking by the very concepts of fruit. That spice that's in there is actually rather easy. I'm a little surprised by that. I was expecting a, a more heavy uh, a spice in there. There is a, a, a fullness, uh, call it, would I call it a tobacco? Would I call it a, a bit of leathery in terms of the finish? I'm not sure which way I'd go with it. There's just so much. There might be too much happening for me. I'm going to do another cube on this. You're saying the rye is too busy? That's what you're saying? A little too busy? For me. I got to tell you. I, but, the, it's, but I'm appreciating it. I'm, it's like I'm, not, I'm two hours away from knowing what I've got. Yeah. I, the, the sweetness of it, whatever that, that fruit is, has subsided quite a bit. That spice is still there for me, as well as the sting. But no burn. Warm, definitely a great fall rye in my mind. Now, that much is true. This is around the campfire rye, right? Around the fire pit, for sure. Guys, one of the things we don't do is we don't lie to you. No, pre no pretense here. We're trying things for the first time. We're sharing the experience uh, the best we can with you. And when, we get, when I get confused about something, I'll tell you, I don't know what I've got here. But when we talk about no burn on the throat, there's none. It goes down as smooth as anything you've ever had. Mm -hmm. Super easy. But what it leaves on the palate, on the exhale, it's amazing. And that burn is in the lower chest. That's where the heat is, and it is there to stay. And what's amazing about what uh, this lingering effect that's on your palate... Which I've never had before in anything else I've had. Uh, well, I have, but it has been... With it, there has been a film, like a, 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 there's a texture that kind of lingers. Bong there, water? Exactly. Uh, and this, there, there <laughs> isn't that film. There isn't a texture. The, this is not syrupy in any way. Uh, there, there's just this unusual effect when you drink it. It stays on the palate for 30, 45 seconds. It's, it's, it's really something and, and definitely something you need to try. 
with the second ice chip, not Big Rock, right? I didn't do Big Rock. I didn't do Sphere. It's my second ice chip. It's growing on me in, in, in that way. That fruit, that explosion, it's mid-tongue. It's full in the palate, and it exhales with you. That's unique, really unique. I got to tell you, we drink a lot. <laughs> Wait, sorry, scratch that, reverse it. We try a lot of things. <laughs> this is this is the most fascinating that I don't know what I have. Whistle Pig, the Boss Hog. Uh, try it for yourself. Let's talk about some cigar news. Um, there have been some changes in California, in California taxation, and there have been some changes in California that are just maddening all the way ar- around. What they did at the Department of Tax and Fee Administration... That name, by the way, freaks me out like nothing else. You don't want to get a letter. <laughs> From the Department of Tax and Fee Administration. Someone has to administer the fees. Right. They was reversed the 2019 decision that banned cigar manufacturers from charging taxes based on a factory price. This story from halfwheel.com. So they're either a fixed basis, like 25% cents a cigar, or a percentage of the wholesale price. California cigar companies were using a method that were sold as tax paid to retailers. So companies would establish a factory price that was less than what retailers would pay, pay the taxes themselves, and then charge the retailers a tax paid kind uh, of of price. So they put an end to that. So what you're going to see in California is a reduction in the percentage of tax. The total percent, though, remains... 56.93%. 56.93%. That's obscene. That's the premium you're paying on a cigar, on a premium cigar in California. I, you start, I mean, I know, I know taxes are not sexy and you hate it when it happens in a debate, but you start looking at where, like, where your local government and where your state government thinks it can grab a, an extra couple of bucks, and the answer is on you. <laughs> on you. 56%. And I, I can't help but think back to a couple of months ago when we were talking about some of the things that the FDA uh, was doing with cigars and how the cigar industry was pushing back. Uh, I hear stories like this about how you know most states will tax cigars one way, but California has to be different and, and, and do something um, unlike other states. And all I could think about is how difficult it must be. To, to run a business, especially in, in California. And when, you, when you've got an industry like this where you are catering to customers in all 50 states and you have to worry about the regulations in California versus Vermont versus Michigan, it's, it's, it's got to make your head spin. It, do, it does make, make your head spin. I, I can't stand when uh, people make it more difficult for others to, to be in business and to hire people and to grow it, it, it's crazy, and, and there, there's more to it, and we're going we're gonna to have to do a whole dig in on there. But I wanted to get to the story about Guy Fieri, uh, who is the guy from uh, dry, Diners, Drive-Ins, and Dives. Flavortown. Flavortown. From what I know, people hate that dude. They, like, hate Guy Fieri from Food uh, Network, and I don't, I never quite understood it. He has served 2,000 meals to first responders battling fires in California. This is kind of what he does, right? By the way, fires in California still going on yeah. and, and still issues and rebuilding and everything else. And here he is like, okay, you get a, you get a meal and you get a meal and, and, and doing this whole thing, doing this whole, setting up at campgrounds there at Sonoma County and, and taking care of people. That's what you want to see. 
right? So, so I want to at least celebrate somebody doing some good. Yeah, and yeah. I don't understand what, what what's with all the guy hate. I, I don't understand it. Um, he looks like he's a genuinely nice guy. He looks like he has fun. He what he's got what uh, twelve shows now? I think he got that supermarket thing. He got diners, drive-ins, and dives. He's got a home kitchen show. Uh, he looks like he's he's having a good time. He looks like he's a nice guy. What's wrong with him? I don't understand all the guy hate. It, it, I've never understood it, but it's there and it, and it's real. And if you're gonna hate anybody at Food Network, it's Ina Garten. <laughs> Who does she think she is with that big glorious kitchen? And not giving me any scones. What the heck? There's a story about her that she has spent more time with her husband because of the lockdown than they have in their entire marriage. Really? Because of their schedules and everything else. And I think that's amazing. I think that's an amazing story of true. And unrelated, we've talked about the possible baby boom from COVID. What right. about the divorce boom? If, if, will that there's happen? There's been one? Wouldn't be surprised. This is Eat, Drink, Smoke. I like a good Avo cigar. There are very few cigars that I have a box of in my humidor. One of those is the Avo number three. It's got this wonderful bit of chocolatey that goes with a lot of people used to the Avo number two. I'd say search out the number three, but I enjoy what Avo does. The Lounge is a perfect mild to medium cigar. I think they do excellent work, but Avo is, a, is, is unique in that I think some people think of it as just so big brand, they shouldn't try it. That's not true. Is it part of the Davidoff family? Of course it is. Is it worth your trying? Of course it is. And now they have the North and South edition from Avo, and we started with the Great North. It is Eat, Drink, Smoke, where we eat the fine food, drink the fine bourbon, and smoke the fine cigars. I'm Tony Katz. That's everybody's favorite amateur drinker, Fingers Malloy. And this is the Avo North edition. Now, this cigar is a Dominican in the wrapper it has got uh, uh, the uh, bit of binder, the, the allure, and the Peloto Seco right there, and a filler that is a little bit of everywhere. Kind of amazing. And comes in a size of 6 and 5 eighths with a 50 ring gauge. So 6 and 5 eighths refers to how long the cigar is. Tee-hee. Always makes him laugh. And 50, the ring gauge, how thick the cigar is around. Tee-hee. Again, with the laughter. If it was a 64-inch ring gauge, it would be a full one inch around. Now, this is a perfecto. If you were with us last week, and we only hope you were with us last week, we did uh, the Chubby from Zeno Platinum, which was a perfecto, but four and 15 sixteenths. This, a much larger cigar, but a perfecto starts at a tip. The cap is basically comes down to a point almost in the torpedo, and then kind of bulges in the middle, and then comes back down. So when you smoke this cigar and you first light it, you're going to have to work that draw a little bit right? Because you got to let that cigar open up. This was actually pretty easy to get to open up. We did straight cuts on this cigar. Very often with a Perfecto, you can do a V-cut to be able to enhance that draw a little bit more. I think that when you're into a, a length, though, of, of over six, I think you could still go with a straight cut and figure you've got enough time to make that draw work out, depending, of course, how big it's going to bulge out in the middle of your Perfecto. Well, I did notice, if I'm comparing it to last week, the, the Zeno uh, perfecto. I I did have a V cut on it, and like you said, it was a shorter cigar, and the draw was much easier in the beginning. But you you definitely have to have some patience because it can be a, a little tough on the draw when you first light it. Now this uh, cigar has a, a a fairly milk chocolate wrapper. I think you make the leaf out pretty well 
it has a nice touch of oil to it, no grit, though, on, on the wrapper. But that is a nice oily feel. It's a little light in the hands, but size-wise, in that 50 ring gauge, it feels good. It's a very comfortable kind of smoke. I think it'll look awkward for people when they start smoking it, but once they get that, that burn to open up into where the, the, the main of the Perfecto is, it, it feels very, very uh, comfortable. Very woody uh, cigar is what I, I, I get uh, uh, fr from this. A little bit of earth, a little bit of grass. Uh, I'm, even for all that I smoke, I don't know if I pick out the cedar note versus something else, but I think I've gotten better at picking out wood notes versus grassy notes. Doesn't mean I could pick out grassy notes versus hay notes. Yeah. I don't know if I'm there yet, but I definitely get that touch of wood, touch of grass. Oh, that's what I was going to go with the hay, uh, but it could be hay, grass. Again, you're, you're, I'm in the same boat you're in. I, I wish I uh, had the ability to differentiate between the two. Very creamy, too. Uh, very enjoyable so far, and uh, the draw is is becoming much easier as we get into the first third. As, uh, yeah, so always break your cigars into thirds. First third, second third, final third, as you're smoking it, because the flavor will indeed change. Then also write down, get yourself a notebook, and write down what it is that you did. What did you eat that day? Matters greatly. Fingers Malloy, what? Wait, are you not doing Atkins anymore? Well, if I tell you what I ate today, you're definitely going to know I'm not eating it. Let's Atkins. play America's favorite new game. How did Fingers try to kill himself with food today? Fingers? Well, well Tony, uh, McDonald's, who, by the way, fantastic sponsor of the Trink Spoke podcast. Are they, they a sponsor they, of the Trink they, 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 they should be. They should. <laughs> uh, so, uh, anyway, they have a Chip Ahoy McFlurry now. You're, how are you alive right now? Uh, I'm, I'm living large, literally. Uh, it, so I had the Chip Ahoy McFlurry, and you got to you got to chase that with a Big Mac value meal. So I got the Big Mac value meal with an extra patty of meat. Which did you, you can not add. get the Travis Scott meal? What is that? Travis, good lord! You know what? Coming up, I'll tell you about the Travis Scott meal, and literally cause McDonald's to sell out of ingredients. It's insane how that bit of marketing came to be. So why why would you why would you get yourself a Chips Ahoy McFlurry? You know you can order a bottle of water, right? Because it was there, Tony. And they have what's great about it too. They put the Chip Ahoy, Chip is it Chips Ahoy? It's Chip Chips. Ahoy's? Uh, who, Chips Ahoy? Who wants one chip? <laughs> you can only Ahoy if you have a plethora of chips. Right. Well, they throw the uh, the Chips Ahoy in the magic McFlurry machine, and then they put a little caramel swirl in there, too. So you get the Chip Ahoy's, the Chips Ahoy, uh, with the caramel, and the, the McFlurry you know what is... what they call that at, at McDonald's? It's the diabetes finish. <laughs> <laughs> and then you get the Big Mac with the extra patty, because there's not enough meat on a regular Big Mac. you got to get the extra patty in there, too. And no onions. Uh, I do get the onions with that, but the, the, the double cheeseburger or, and the cheeseburger with those dehydrate, whatever those onions are, uh, not a fan. Let's get back to the Avo North. Because <laughs> this is a really lovely cigar at this moment. So whatever you're eating, write that down because that can affect how the cigar tastes uh, to you. And the cigar will change as you go on with it. I did the charcuterie plate, so I had a little bit of salami, and there were some other things going on there. There was a little bit of, uh, uh, like, a Gruyere, I think, that we had. So that could certainly have an effect uh, on me. 
this, uh, these flavors are going to enhance. They're going to change. So make sure you write it down. Right now, this is playing as a very, very easy medium cigar. Mm-hmm. Very easy medium. You know, I'm looking at the wrapper, and maybe it's just the light in here, but it looks like a Connecticut wrapper to me, even though it's, it's, it's not, is it? It's, uh... No. The Connecticut wrapper you'll find on the South Edition. The South Edition is a Connecticut Ecuadorian with a Connecticut Ecuadorian binder and then a whole host of things. In the filler, it's also a different size at a 7x52, so this is a touch smaller all the way around, and of course, it's a, it's a different shape. The South is a torpedo. This is the Perfecto. But it's what? a lighter color. At least in this light, it's it's lighter, but it's not that. You know, we talked about it before, where some cigars are. It's such a light brown, where it's not exactly the the most pleasant thing to look at. And th- this is not the case with this cigar. It, no, no, it looks no. Good. I, I, yeah, sometimes the paler cigars, I think, are are visually a turnoff. But you can see the leaf in here. You can actually get the veins of the leaf going on uh, right there. So it's 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 a wonderfully attractive piece of art. My only issue is, and there's never really an issue with me with Avo and construction. It's too light. It's 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 not that it's spongy, right? Sometimes you'll touch a cigar and it's got this real bounce to it. You don't yeah. necessarily want that. It's just physically light, and I would li- I like a touch more heft, a touch more mass uh, to uh, the cigar. What's the price point, Tony? Uh, Nine million dollars. <laughs> the price point here is fourteen bucks. At 14 bucks, if you're out at a cigar lounge, you'd be like, you know what? Good cigar to do. I want more than a $9 cigar. I don't want to do a $50 cigar. $14 is a very okay price point for this. The Avo North. You'll find it near you. Ask for it. The Avo North Edition. This is Eat, Drink, Smoke. If you're a fan of the Cheesecake Factory and you like to cook, we have some great news for you. Welcome back. It's Eat, Drink, Smoke. I'm Fingers Malloy, along with Tony Katz. Find the podcast on Apple Podcasts, uh, all of your favorite podcasts. Amazon Music now. We're on Amazon Music. We are on Amazon Music. They just started. We are there. So if you are already Amazon Prime and everything else, just get to Amazon Music, Eat, Drink, Smoke. And if you do, your marriage will be better. That's true. Speaking of Amazon Music on a side. Oh, I thought you were going to say speaking of marriage. (laughs) No. Speaking of Amazon Music. I have not listened to as much Van Halen in the last 15 years as I have in the past two days. Eddie Van Halen, dead at the age of 65, cancer, which was, which was, it wasn't throat cancer. It was, I guess it was throat cancer, but he, the, the, the story that I read is that he made the argument that he played with a copper pick. Yeah. And he would put it in the same spot in his mouth and that's where it came from. And so he's like, hmm, but supposedly he had had this for a long time, but it was only like the last, that last week or week and a half. It just, um, just his his health just went away. Yeah, there was uh, a piece I think in the New York Post. Sammy Hagar was talking about his relationship with Eddie Van Halen, and it was of course rocky. But they had kind of amended their their past differences and right. be, really started to communicate. But they didn't want to make it public because people would start saying, "Oh, is there going to be a reunion tour? Is there going to be a reunion tour?" And obviously, because of Eddie's health, that wasn't going to happen. But at least they were able to patch things up before. Uh, unfortunately, he passed away. So we're both Gen Xers, and I can't say that I even had a Van Halen album. I, I don't recall if I did. I may have had something. But musically, I'm much more drawn to Tom Petty. Mm-hmm. And when Tom Petty died, I said, that is a damn awful shame. I love the music. For whatever reason, and I'm not this guy, right? I'm not this sentimental or emotional of things outside of family at all. 
uh, almost, almost to a fault, right? It's, it's an oddness about me. Eddie Van Halen's death hit me. Yeah. I can't recall any... Prince's death didn't hit me. I was just, wow, what a shame. Because that guy, if you want to see guitar playing, go uh, to, to your favorite video uh, site, While My Guitar Gently Weeps, Tom Petty, George Lynn, Prince. Prince does a guitar solo at the end of that. I forget what awards thing it is or commemoration thing it is. George Harrison's son is playing with them. Steve Winwood is on keys. It's unbelievable. Uh, Prince, at the end of that, is the, it's the best guitar you've ever seen. Eric Clapton once said, when asked, who's the best guitarist in the world, uh, said, ask Prince. Yeah. Right? It's brilliant and spectacular. So Tom Petty's music moves me. Eddie Van Halen's death, for whatever reason, more than Prince, more than Tom Petty, I was just like, holy cow, that is my youth. I remember hearing 1984 for the first time. I loved that album. And to me, when I heard the news, it was like a gut, a gut punch to my 14-year-old self. Right. You know, But you, know, you think about just in the past few years, we've lost Tom Petty, we've lost Prince, we've lost now Eddie Van Halen. Uh, just, It's just so sad to think about what, what could be right now if they're, they were still out there producing music. Les Paul once said uh, to Eddie Van Halen, you, me, and Leo Fender are only guys in the world who know how to make a guitar. <laughs> <laughs> Which to me is the coolest line in the history yeah. of the world. Yeah. Dead at 65. That is, that is awful. But, but the Cheesecake Factory, Tony. <laughs> <laughs> Get it back to the Hold Cheesecake on. I want, Factory. I want everyone to feel how awkward that segue was. <laughs> Eddie Van Halen, we're going to miss you. Bang, bang, chicken and shrimp, everybody. <laughs> I mean, how, how do you make the pivot, Tony? Who wants an avocado <laughs> egg roll? Well, speaking of uh, the Cheesecake Factory, uh, they, apparently there's a lot of recipes online now for the Cheesecake Factory, including its guacamole salad, Tony. And I have never had their guacamole salad because guacamole is guacamole, right? How do you make a guacamole salad? What, I, don't, I don't even know what that is. And the worst part is we don't even have... I'm looking at the article. We don't even have the, uh, the recipe. We don't have the recipe. But do you, I don't go often. I'd say I'd go once every two years to the Cheesecake Factory. That makes me a terrible what? Here's my problem. And this isn't with the Cheesecake Factory in general, just a location near me. Uh, I went to a Cheesecake Factory, and I sat down uh, and... I'm, I'm with someone, and they, they do this number where they have one long table, and right. they'll sit you next to complete strangers. We got up and left. Did you really? Absolutely. I was like, I, I, I'm two feet away from a couple who I don't know. If you're going out and you're, you're spending a decent amount of money on a meal, you should be able to feel like you can have a conversation without someone being able to hear everything that you so say. So you'll never sit at like a communal table? No. Not at a restaurant. You know, it's one thing. If, okay, at a wedding, I understand it. But at a restaurant, not interested in that at all. I mean, it, what, is that a turnoff for you? Listen. I, I don't care because if I'm bothered by them, I'll start talking about my rash. <laughs> and with detail, there's no rash yet, by the way, everybody. Just to be clear, there's no rash. But let's let them move. That, that's my thing. I should at least be able to have some fun with it. No, I don't get bothered by that at all. If I have to have a conversation with somebody that no one needs to be around for, then I have that conversation in a place that no one's around for. But I'm not making concrete deals like I'm a mafioso in 1970s Manhattan 
at the Cheesecake Factory. I just feel like a, a conversation turns into something when you're in a situation like that where it's, oh, man, hot enough for you today? The kind of garbage that you... Are you the kind of guy who can't go to the bathroom if someone's standing next to you? Oh, no, I'm fine with that. But what drives me absolutely insane is when I stand in a checkout line at a grocery store and someone turns around and tries to strike up a conversation. And I'm a talk radio host, Tony. You, you would think that wouldn't bother me. But yet it's like, because what do you, what do you get out of that conversation? Hot enough for you? What, how do you respond to that? Never happens to me. Never happens to you? Never happens to me. What's your secret? Because it happens to me all the time. I, I look like I'm totally disinterested in everything. <laughs> uh, my, my secret? Fear. My secret <laughs> is just making someone say, maybe not. Maybe for my own good, I won't do it. But this, I was looking at this. They've, they've got everything. They've got the dessert recipes in there. They've got the food recipes in there. And by the way, uh, there's three different types of lettuce. There's tortilla chips, corn, black beans, and guacamole. That's part of the guacamole are salad. You, are you a guacamole fan? I'm oh, not a big fan. I would eat a bowl of guacamole right now. If, 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 I, if someone said to me, would you like some guacamole? Absolutely. Absolutely. I sometimes order chips and guac and don't eat the chips. I'll eat the guacamole with a spoon. I love oh, guacamole. That's, that's oh, so good. Oh boy. Well, so good. You know what? I could eat a bowl of Tony. That's Eskimo pies. What a segue. Eskimo pie. <laughs> They're going to rebrand it, Tony, to Eddie's pie. Edie's. Edie's? Is it Edie's? I think they're doing it at Edie's for the ice cream. Oh, is it Edie? I'm pretty sure it's Edie. Is it not Edie's for the ice okay, cream? Okay, maybe it's Edie's. Maybe it is Eddie's. I, I don't know. But this is all about how Eskimo can be seen as offensive. And the truth is, I don't know. But I don't know if I care. The weirdest thing about rebranding to not commit offense is that it's not the end of the world. Whoever said it had to be called Eskimo Pie? And then if a company wants to rebrand, they rebrand all the time. It used to be Dodge Ram. Now it's Ram Trucks. Right. Rebranding happens. It's standard. So I, I don't care. I just care that it's good. Oh, I thought you were going to say it's a problem with me putting that in your head. No. It's Edie's. It's Eddie's. I thought it was Edie's like the ice cream. What if it's not Edie's like the ice cream? And then I have to ask, who's Eddie? And why does he spell the E-D-Y-S? This is Eat, Drink, Smoke. Eat, drink, smoke. It is your cigar, bourbon, foodie, radio extravaganza. Tony Katz, Fingers Malloy. It is the Avo North. Now, you can find this at a tobacconist near you. One of the newer releases from Avo. This is the Perfecto 6 and 5 inches, five eight inches long. That was not easy to say. With a 50 ring gauge, it is that Perfecto size. So, it like a torpedo on the cap. And then it comes to, down to that point on the foot. Uh, we did a straight cut on here with a Perfecto. You'll take a little bit of while, a little bit of strength in the draw to kind of open that cigar up. But we're now into the second third of uh, this cigar. And honestly, except for maybe a little more intensity in the flavors, I'm still getting it. I'm still getting that bit of wood. I'm still getting that bit of uh, grass. There is a nice earthy undertone uh, that goes uh, with this. I wouldn't argue that I'm getting a, a lot of, of, of spice by by any uh, uh, stretch, but there is a that nice. There is a bit of sweet that goes along with it all. Uh, that makes this a very enjoyable. Smell. Yeah, a, little bit of a sweetness. Uh, it's creamy. Uh, still, I would call it a medium. Uh, and the draw. I would totally call it a a, 
a mild medium, yes. Yeah, and uh, the draw has really become a lot easier. It's pleasant. It's a, a nice, even burn. Um, and at $14 a stick, this is the, the kind of cigar that you would like after your round of golf. I wouldn't have it during my round, uh, but I, it would no, be a No, I wouldn't a bring this to a golf course either uh, in terms of on the course. After the course, sure. Yeah. Sure, this is a good cigar. And this is a cigar right at that price point that if you wanted something nicer to, to hand out, this would work. This yeah. would work very, very well. But it doesn't have some of those. It's not that traditional deep tobacco a kind of flavor kind of thing. So maybe some guys you know a little bit better and know at least smoke cigars. Hey, try this. This is really interesting. It is time right now for News of the Week. Fingers Malloy, what do you got? <sighs> Tony, No. COVID-19. What's that? We talked last week about how it may have an impact on the holidays. You know, we're, we've heard about virtual Thanksgiving. We're going to have the Zoom Thanksgiving. We're going to have a virtual debate. Did you hear this? Do you think that's going to happen? No. Yes. I don't know. <laughs> I have no clue. Now they're saying that, that the president, next presidential debate will be virtual. I have no clue what's going to happen there at all. So now we're seeing... A big uptick in virtual dating, Tony. Uh, that, uh, is, that is what 14-year-old boys do. <laughs> well, there's a, a dating app called Hinge. Uh, full disclosure, I've never heard of Hinge. Have you heard of Hinge before? Heard of it? <laughs> no, your, I've never no, heard of no, Hinge. No, no, no. Well, the CEO of uh, Hinge has said that there has been a, a huge uptick, uptick in online dating, virtual dating. Um, you know, because there was that stigma before about online dating. That's really gone away in the last few years, and especially now with what's going on with the pandemic, where they're saying 90% of uh, uh, their clients are doing virtual dating for a first time. And they're going further saying that second and third dates, you're seeing up to 50% of Hinge users are saying, yeah, we, we may continue to have virtual dates using uh, FaceTime rather than going out. What do, you, what do you think so of that? So wait, what does Hinge actually do? I, I, it's it's so, like a, so it's a dating app. Yeah, it's like a Match.com or something like that, except it's an app and where you find someone and then you can go out on a date. And you know, I, I think it is very smart if you're using something like that to maybe do a FaceTime as your first date instead of just going out and meeting a total stranger. I don't think that that's unreasonable or ridiculous. My problem is I don't understand where the business is, right? If the business is... Um, uh, you know, ju just like a, a match.com kind of thing, I get it, right? And that's all it is. And what they have found is that they're video dating. So this isn't about a video dating app, right? That's not what they are because I, no. you, you are, how would you be a video dating app? It doesn't even make any sense. No, it's, it's the, the app brings the people together, but they're finding that because of the pandemic, people are going on a first date oh, okay, virtually. Okay. So they say, okay, the first date, hey, why don't we just... We'll, we'll get on uh, FaceTime or Zoom and we'll have that. But they're going further and saying, you know what? Maybe not just a first date. Let's get to know each other through a Zoom or a FaceTime before we actually meet each other because of the times we're living in right now. Nothing. I, I, I think that's fine. And I think that the one thing I like about this is the one thing that we have not yet been able to measure in terms of health effect of coronavirus, which is loneliness. Yeah. Which and it, it, it sounds funny, right? It sounds like something like oh, in World War II, you know, they didn't worry about loneliness. No one in the UK worried about loneliness during the Blitzkrieg. <laughs> um, I, uh, by the way, it takes a lot to make a joke about Blitzkrieg, right there. Please, <laughs> no emails, no emails. Um, I, I, I get it. 
I could see how it makes sense. I could see how people, you know, want that in, in, in their lives and, and want to be able to meet people, want to be able to connect with people and, and want to find any way to do so. The, the idea of people being alone is absolutely remarkable. My mother-in-law is. My, my father-in-law passed away two years ago. No, I, I, I think it, it is. And she, she has decided she's not going out. She is very, very worried about it. I don't know if I necessarily blame her. I'm not in my 70s. I don't have other health ailments or, or, or issues. And I can appreciate it being worried. But it's her and the house yeah. and a crazy dog. I'm talking about serious issues. <laughs> and that's it. And why, why shouldn't she or, or why shouldn't anybody else find ways uh, to, to connect? It has been, uh, we, we've talked about on several occasions how smartphones and social media has, has ruined a lot of things in this country. But one of the things that I think has helped and I'll use my dad as an example. He's 81 years old, and the smartphone, God bless, has has been a godsend because he, you know, he's unfortunately my mom passed away nine years ago, and he lives five hours from me. Uh, he keeps in contact with all of his friends through the smartphone. They they are able to, uh, you know, come up with meeting times very easily to where they go to their favorite happy hours. He's not nearly as lonely as he probably would have been without the smartphone. So, right. uh, but th- this right here, it, I, to me, it's interesting because you're seeing younger people and dating trends. How you know we've we've done stories before where younger people are having less sex than than previous generations. Now we're seeing virtual dates becoming a thing. It's interesting to see how things are changing and, and now how they're really changing based on the pandemic. The, the younger people having less sex is, I mean, you, you can make all the jokes you want, but part of it is, a, is, is kind of frightening in that one of the, one of the reasons is, is absolute fear. That it's, it, they don't even want to date. Yeah. They don't want the interaction. And part of it is societal that, you know, if, if you're not sure how, what you could say, you're not sure how you could touch. You're not sure how you could do this, that, the other. Never in coronavirus. Just other societal things, people have been like, all right, I've given up. This has been a problem in Japan for years, yeah. and I think it's going to become one of the larger problems in America. I don't look at kids gaming as the end of society, right? Some people do. Oh, the kids are gaming too much. It's too much screen time. I am not there. If your kids are able to carry on, a t- carry a tune, carry on a conversation, have other interests, do hang with friends, and do things online with friends as opposed to you know, just getting online and calling somebody names and attacking people while they're playing Call of Duty or, or whatever. Right. Right. If they're with their friends, I think that that is fine, but they have to have the, the, the other pieces. But there are these kids who are like, I, 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 I don't know how to function. Society kind of questions functioning and growth and learning and experimentation, if you will, in how to engage a date and how to engage a, a, a social life. I mean, it's for parents, that's it's. How do you navigate that? Because one of the things I think parents look at, I, I think I'm one of those people. Fortunately, I don't feel I'm in that spot. Is that, are you going to have this 25-year-old living at home failure to launch kind of thing where their kids have been this kind of like societally pushed to give up these experiences of life and some of them are about learning and making a mistake I'm not talking about hurting anybody. I'm talking about making a mistake. 
Right. Speaking you know, of sex, Tony. Oh, um, oh my. You know, with dating, people are, are you know, cautious about dating. Uh, apparently, roommates are hooking up. A recent survey is indicating that uh, one in four people are having sex or have had sex recently with uh, non-romantic people that are, that, that are their roommates. Makes perfect sense. You're, you're, you're there. You're bored. You want to? Okay. This is Eat, Drink, Smoke. So I think we found the answer to how much Whistlepig, the boss hog, is. <laughs> Eat, drink, smoke. Great to be with you. Tony Katz, everyone's favorite, America's favorite amateur drinker, Fingers Malloy. You know how much they charge for Whistlepig here? Because we've been drinking Whistlepig, the boss hog. Um, it's a rye, it's a 51% rye. It has been very unique. I've been doing this now two hours. Hold on a second, fingers. Hold on, let me, mm-hmm. let me, let me sip this. There he goes again with the Memphis Munch. Kentucky Chew. It is so big. There is, to me, fruit. There is this, this, this touch of spice, but again, goes down smooth and perfect. Absolutely perfect. And it was recommended, you know, we record at Blend Bar Cigar in Indianapolis, Indiana, and it was recommended by, by the owner, Corey Johnston, and now he's yelling at us that it. Oh, well, let me ask. Is, let me ask you this: Am I going to have to refinance my house to buy a shot of this? Is that what you're saying? One hundred forty-five dollars a pour. One hundred forty-five dollars a pour. So this may very well be four hundred ninety-nine dollars at your local retailer. It's so big. It is. It is really, really something else. And and I'm still kind of playing with all the flavors and seeing where I where I am with it. But that, that heat certainly does rest in, in the lower chest, but there's no sting. And how it rests on the palate, this rye, is just unbelievable. And every time you exhale, and we're smoking a cigar, we're doing the Avo North, but still, it just, it's massive. And I'm not saying that, like, problematically. I'm just saying, like, I've never really experienced anything like that. I have not had an experience like this to where when I'm pairing something uh, with a cigar where I could have a, a sip of bourbon or in this case rye, then draw for my cigar and then after I, I, I exhale the cigar, still have a significant burp or, or, or rye, liquor taste, yeah. you know, that this rye lingers in your mouth for a good 45 seconds after you take a sip. It's very interesting. Very interesting. Uh, the Miami Dolphins got uh, approval to fill the stadium. Now, I don't know if they will. I don't know if that many people are coming to see Fitzmagic uh, <laughs> throw the ball. 65,000 seats. So they have permission to fill it. That's not even the story. The story is, do any sporting events get crowds anymore? Are people dying to get to a stadium? Are they itching for that to happen? You, Fingers Malloy, are, are the sports guy. You are a diehard Detroit Lions guy. The tattoo uh, is there. You're wearing Detroit Lions blue and silver. Right? Is that a Detroit Lions shirt? No, it is not. It just happens to be the Detroit Lion colors? Yes, it just happens to be the Detroit Lion colors. How many playoff games have they won? Last playoff win was 1992, Tony. Is that right? They've never won the NFC North. The last division title was in 1993 when they were in the NFC Central. Ah. Those were the days. Were they? No. I didn't think so. 
You think the people of Detroit are just can't wait to get back to, was it Ford Field? Well, I think it depends on the record, Tony. I mean, honestly, if my Detroit Lions were 4-0 and right now and they looked like they were, if they were the Kansas City Chiefs, they were playing like Kansas City, that stadium would be rocking and people would come back. Yeah. Uh, I think people are so apathetic about my team that, no, they wouldn't uh, fill the stadium. And I don't know the Miami Dolphin fan base well other than, listen, they've had a lot of bad luck over the years on, on top of the fact that they're in the division with the New England Patriots. And I think New England has won, what, 13 division championships in a row. So, uh, look, I, I think that there are going to be a lot of fans that are going to show up. 65,000? I don't know if, 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 if they're... If we weren't in the middle of a pandemic, I don't know if they would be getting 65,000 people showing up at a Dolphins. The Lions played the Dolphins last year or the year before, and they, they didn't sell out. You're saying it's because the team play as opposed to whether people want right. to go. You're saying if there were winners, people would go? I, 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 I think so. It, it, it would, Arrowhead, you think it would sell out? Yes. I mean, you, they're, right now I think it's friends and family only at Arrowhead. Uh, there was a crowd for the Monday night football game a couple of weeks ago, but I think it was only 500, 000, uh, 500 fans were allowed to be in the stands. But, you know, coming off a Super Bowl win and when you've got someone as good as Patrick Mahomes at quarterback, people want to see it. And people are just people are itching to get out again. I, I could see where people would go to Arrowhead, Miami. I'm not so sure. The NBA just announced that they're removing the social justice signage from the from the courts. You're not going to see that anymore. And whether they do, whether they don't, I don't allow that to have an effect on me. I'm curious about the diehard fan. Right? The diehard fan saw the NBA, which is more social justice than any of the other groups, right? Uh, decide they weren't going to play. The Milwaukee Bucks weren't going to play uh, after something happened, and then they weren't going to play the playoffs. And then two days later, they decided they were going to play. And I was like, how does the diehard fan feel about that if they feel the players aren't, you know, being respectful? And now they're going to take, uh, according to Adam Silver, who's the commissioner of the NBA, they're going to take the stuff off the court. And it's like, how does that fan react? if those sayings or the slogans or whatever else isn't on the court. And so I wonder how these things have kind of progressed and are they, or are they going to have real impact on these games or people will be like, look, as long as you're playing, that's fine by me. I just don't need the rest. I don't know. I don't know if there are long-term resentments or long-term anything. I, I think you're seeing it reflected in the in the ratings, Tony. The ratings are way down for the NBA Finals and the NBA playoffs in general. Uh, my question is, well, why are you doing it? Now, now, some people are speculating the narrative is that so many people have cut the cord on their cable, and that's why ratings are down significantly, uh, which there may be some of that. Some of it may be that people want sports to be an escape. Right, Tony? It's like, okay, I, I don't want to think about politics. I don't want to think about uh, the crazy world we're living in. I just want to watch sports. And then there being um, politics is being pounded uh, over their head during a game now, too. Uh, it makes me wonder if that's the real reason why the ratings are down. Because why, why else would they be taking this message off the, the courts? They, I, I wonder if they're getting feedback from fans saying, we don't like this. I, I don't know. I don't. I, I. That's a good question. Maybe they are getting feedback. I'm just curious where the where the fan is, and I think the fan is. You know, may, maybe there's difference, right? There's, and this is true. People who can afford to go to an NFL game or an NBA game, and people who can maybe every now and again afford to go to a game. That that could have a whole nother. It's just this is this is I think 
you know, I'm not trying to get political. This is more socially, how does it play? And I'm kind of fascinated. Well, the other thing, too, it's kind of hard to compare sports because the NFL, a, a game is such an event. You only have eight regular season home games. So people really invest a lot of time, money, and energy into the NFL, where if it were a regular season NBA game, you know, I don't know if people are going to flock back to a regular season NBA game. It's going to be interesting to see. And I'm really kind of surprised that the it'll be interesting to see if the NFL steps in and says, well, I don't know if we want to do this just yet, because there are still so many people that are so apprehensive about going to these games. Amazon is announcing personal shopper. They have a personal shopper by Prime Wardrobe. It's $4.99. Um, they, there was something aimed at women with personal shopper by Prime Wardrobe. An Amazon stylist selects an assortment of fashion items that match a customer's style and fit preference. They're then shipped to the customer monthly basis for home try-on. Now, I, there's a question I have about home try-on in the world of coronavirus. Would you do this? No. I, see, I have a unique style, oh, Tony. Is that right? I call it a Harley hobo chic is how I dress. <laughs> uh, but I, 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 Tell people what you're wearing right now. Uh, well, I'm actually dressed up today. I've got a, 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 a polo shirt on, and, uh, but I have my Harley Davidson hat. Uh, but uh, By the way, Harley Davidson would make a great sponsor of the Eat, Drink, Smoke radio program. They would, but I always have a problem ordering clothes online because I have a hard time finding things that fit. Do you, do you shop online for clothing? I don't, but I'm thinking about trying this. I'm curious to see what they can come up with. I'm curious to see what it would, what it would be like and whether or not there's a value there. And then, of course, it's a question of what clothes and how much do they cost, right? Are you sending you $300 pants or uh, $42 pants? That's, that's the question. It is the Avo North. That's the cigar, the Perfecto. This has been lovely. Just getting into the final third. A little more wood is, is appearing there on the palate. And Whistlepig, the Boss Hog. It's up to you whether you're going to spend the money. But if you want something unique, this, this is most definitely it. This rye is most definitely, definitely it. This is Eat, Drink, Smoke.